0: Hi guys, welcome to episode 12 of the I Heart Running Podcast. My guest is finally known by many, including myself, as Coach Carey. Coach Carey's real name is Carey Nelson, and his running career spans over 44 years, before Strava, smart watches, and carbon-plated shoes. His fastest marathon is a 212, which won him the Houston Marathon in 1991. Coach Carey just finished his 6th World Marathon major in Berlin a couple weeks ago, and it's crazy to think this all began in 1978 when a high school running coach ignited a spark in a 14-year-old boy with a story about Bibi Bikila and how he won the 1960 Olympic marathon running in only bare feet. How many of us at the tender age of 14 would know that we would run the Olympics one day? Coach Carey not only dreamt it, he lived it twice. Coach Carey competed in the 5,000-meter race in the 1988 Summer Olympics in Seoul, Korea, and the 1996 Summer Olympics in Atlanta for the marathon distance. Coach Carey's accomplishments are way too long to list in this intro, and I meant I had to do some research to find out more about Coach Carey's accomplishments before this interview. He's a humble man, and when I first met him in 2016 at the Main Street Forerunners, Runners, I heard rumors that I just met an Olympian. But that's it. Coach Carey's passion shines strong in this interview, and I swear we could have chatted for hours. Not only is Coach Carey passionate about running and more so enjoying the longevity of it as a lifelong sport, he is extremely passionate about sharing his love and knowledge with the community. He has coached thousands of athletes, many of whom are masters athletes who not only qualify for Boston but win age awards. He, he is the person who convinced me that I could run my first marathon in 2017 after I had completed a 47 kilometer running challenge. I've learned so much from coach Curry through the years and I learned even more during this interview. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Good morning, Coach Kerry. We are on. We're recording our episode 12. I'm so happy to have you as a guest. So um, it's Monday morning here and it's beautiful today. <laughs> so um, if you don't if you don't know, Coach Kerry just finished Berlin, his six world major. And I have him on here because well we met quite a few years ago at Forerunners, and he is pretty well known in a community if you don't know him. Um, he's known to everyone not only as a coach. Um, he's a former Olympian. He's a runner, and he's just a really um, knowledgeable part of a community. So I'm really glad to have you here. Um, so I don't know where to start. Um, I guess did you want to introduce yourself and tell us well, about what you just did about maybe a week ago? And
1: yeah, thank you, May, uh, for uh, you know, inviting me today and uh, you know for that kind introduction. And, uh, yeah, I'm just sort of recovering now from doing the Berlin Marathon and, you know, just taking a week, couple of weeks easy running. But uh, Berlin Marathon was the last of the, you know, the Abbott Series, the six stars that you have to get to complete the Abbott Series and you get the majors medal. Which is quite a substantial medal and uh, quite exciting to get. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot of runners that are working on that, and it's uh, you know quite a challenge to get into some of the races. But uh, people are doing it, and yeah, Berlin. Of course, it was exciting being
2: there when Kipchoge broke the world record again in you know two hundred one. Oh 90. yes, yeah. People were announcing that during the race, so we're sort of like you know just past halfway and. People are running and yelling. Kachogi got
1: the world <sighs> record, you know, while we're doing the marathon. So, wow. so that was pretty exciting just during the race to hear that. And then, of course, you know, Canada's uh, Natasha Wodak. yes, uh, as a masters runner, now broke the Canadian record into two hours and twenty three minutes. She won her age group as well. So it was ex- just exciting to be over there and hear about all the results. Of course, with forty thousand people, it's almost as big as the Sun Run, and yeah. you you don't really see everybody because it's um it's so huge out of event, and uh you know i was lucky i did i was kind of close to the start when when i finished i was in the second areas area b mm-hmm. but still even with that many runners it took quite a while to get across the start line and the top runners were way gone before any of us even got to the start line so i never really saw but uh, we saw them, they had a big screen there and introduced them, and it was just uh, very exciting.
0: Wow! So did it give you that kind of boost of motivation halfway through? And you're, I guess, it, a marathon is never easy. It doesn't matter who you are or how talented or how hard you train. Uh, and just hearing something like that, did it kind of give you that? Okay, I can keep. I can do this, no matter. Yeah, I think,
1: <laughs> Yeah, I think a positive vibe. From something like that happening, people are all excited, the crowds are cheering, and the weather was awesome. Like, there wasn't any wind at all. It was oh, wow. uh, Sunny and cool, that just adds to it. And uh, super well organized event, mm-hmm. all of those things add up together. And you've got runners from around the world uh, running in it, and you're seeing them with their run singlets from different countries and different clubs. And
0: you know, it just makes it quite exciting. Well, congratulations, (laughs) congratulations. I mean, it's to me, it's no small feat to one, finish a marathon and to complete all six world majors at that. And it's been a few years, you know, since, you know, races have started, races weren't going for a couple of years. So just to get back into that whole racing thing, it must not be easy either. So compared to the other world majors, how how did the Berlin fair? Would you put it in the top? Like, which one is your favorite? Uh, it's hard to say, you know, I mean, they've all had their, their special moments and yeah, the other ones I completed, uh, well London I ran last year, which was, mm-hmm. you know, still there was a lot of COVID testing for that event, but
1: they had just started to open up the events so that, uh, the other ones were pre-COVID and, um, each one of them of course had major crowds in them and, uh, you know, my, I mean, Berlin was, you know, London and Berlin were my like two slower times. Mm-hmm. I've just been struggling with injuries, you know, over the last year and a half or so. But the other ones um, were, you know, every, these are big marathons with big crowds supporting the events and a lot of runners. So it's really exciting to be a part of it. And you, you can see the pictures of people that run it and post it on their Strava. Yeah. Uh, and how exciting it is to be part of it, of course. My first one I ran uh, was in 1994 in Chicago. So you know, back then there was no, they didn't have Strava and those kind of things. <laughs> or we didn't get a finisher's medal; we got a T-shirt. Oh wow! But, uh, because I was that's still when I was more of a faster runner, and uh, so I finished ninth and got a little alarm clock instead of a medal. So I do have something to.
0: You got an alarm it. clock? That <laughs> I is got so funny. Alarm clock to in ninth place, uh, and um that was uh, 1994 so that was a few years ago and then <laughs> I you know then I you know um, the next one I r- raced I guess thinking about it was probably Boston yeah Boston mm-hmm. uh, in
1: 2014 2014 yeah and um, and then you know just worked on completing them from there but of course Boston very exciting huge crowds yeah that, um, uh, uh, New York at the time I ran 2019 was one of my faster runs for the uh, Strava, mm-hmm. I mean for the uh, avid majors and that one you know I think it was 55,000 people which was one of the biggest marathons at the time so mm-hmm. pretty exciting. Tokyo was uh, you know very full of supporters on the street the whole way even though it was a rainy day it was still uh so much crowd support on the race and uh you know very exciting to run that one as well so they're all you know they all have their uh special moments
0: yeah how many marathons have you done now in your career do you can you even count anymore uh, i i haven't run a lot of marathons i think i've probably run under under 40 between 35 and 40 marathons okay but I, I, I tallied them up once i think i'm at
1: about Maybe around thirty six now, thirty-seven.
0: Okay. And that's also expanding so, your entire running career that goes back to high school. Yeah. So.
1: That's right. I mean I ran my first marathon in nineteen seventy eight. Okay. In Calgary and uh I had run uh, I was uh I think I was fourteen when I ran it. Yeah, what? fourteen. And oh, I ran three and, uh, of course, back then, you know, they, it was quite different. They did There was no such thing as gels or those kind of things. You had water. And uh, races were smaller. It was the beginning of the running boom, right? Yeah. So, and the, the shoes weren't as sophisticated as they are now. But, uh, yeah, we did the long runs and we went out and we ran it. This is when we were in high school. And, and I thought it was pretty good. So, but, you know, that's uh, when I ran my first marathon. I thought, And then I ran a couple, I think I ran three more in high school, and then I didn't run them for quite a long time. I took a break until I was running more track and field, shorter distances, like 5K, 10K. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the mile, I ran, you know, 1,500 meters, the mile, the shorter distances. And then I went back to, I was going to quit track and fields. Then in 1990, I decided to run another marathon just for, before I quit, and then I uh, I won Toronto Marathon in two hours and 15 minutes, and I thought, well, maybe I'll keep running a little longer. And then I ran Houston Marathon in 1991
0: in January, I won that two hours and 12 minutes. Wow. And That's then,
1: crazy. so that sort of kept me running for longer, right, so.
0: Wow, it's quite. I was going to, I was going to say, I had no, I forgot when I um, asked you to do this interview, how Running has changed itself so much, like you said, the shoes, the gels, and and for for those who don't know, Coach Carey has competed in the Olympics. So I don't like how did, I was going to say, how did you go from running in high school? You said you started back when you were fourteen as a track and field athlete, and how did that lead to being in the Olympics multiple times? Uh, well, I think, you
1: know, part of it was, was when I was a, a kid, uh, running, you know, I had a coach, uh, he was, uh, you know, he knew a lot about marathons. He was a uh, marathon advocate and, uh, had, uh, uh, came from overseas from South Africa and they had, you know, pretty strong, uh, marathon programs there and ultra marathons like the comrade marathons. His coach had won comrade marathons a couple times. Wow. And, uh, when we were running, he told me the story about, uh, a who was, I don't know if you know who he is. He won the 1960 Olympics and 64 Olympics. And he was from Ethiopia Okay. and he, he was, uh, he, did, he, he ran, won the 1960 Olympics with his bare feet because he didn't have any shoes. He didn't, you know, he didn't have enough yeah. money to buy shoes. And uh, then, he, then he had some, you know, at that kind of level in 1964 uh, running shoes. And, of course, because he was the Olympic champion and he won in uh, two hours and 12 minutes. So but when I heard about the story about him and how he had, uh, you know, won the Olympics and everything like that, that's when I was, I think I was 14, and I was thinking, that's what I want to do. I want to run an Olympic marathon.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Cause I, you know I was trying different sports when I was a kid I would try soccer, I tried football, I tried hockey, I tried baseball and I wasn't any good at any of those. And so then I started jogging you know just to get into shape I thought you know I, I must be. I saw the participation ads on TV if you' start jogging you'll get into shape I <laughs> so I thought I was start, start jogging to get into shape. And, uh,
2: then I joined the, you know, the run club in, uh, there's a track club in Saskatoon called the Riversdale track club. Okay. And
1: so that's where the you know, the marathon coach was, there was a few other guys my age that were running long distances as well, running marathons, but that sort of gave me the idea. And then from there, I, uh, got a track scholarship to the States. I went to school in Tennessee for a couple of years. And then I moved over to BC after that and started running here. So I ran for the KJAX track club for, for quite a few years and, until I, I ran the eighty eight Olympics. And then, then it, of course, what happened to me in 1991 was, yeah, I had run the 212 in my 10K Pb or uh, 2804. Wow. But I got a knee injury Uh, I had an accident that tore my meniscus and my knee was quite badly damaged and uh, I had to have that part of that meniscus taken out and then from then on I could never train as much anymore you know it still bothers me to this day but still I uh,
2: Said, "Well, I'm not going to give up yet mm-hmm. because I still want to run in the Olympic marathon. I had run in 1988 Olympics in the 5000, but I, I had never. So in 92, I qualified for the Olympics, but I couldn't run. It was because oh, no. of my, my knee injury. So then 96, uh, you know, I had to struggle quite a bit to maintain my fitness, and but I qualified around the qualifying
0: time. It uh, that's when I ran. Uh, I think I." I ran that Chicago Marathon in 1994, and then I also ran Houston Marathon 1996, which was the Olympic qualifying time, and then I got to go to the Olympics after that, so that's how I made it. Well, thank you for sharing that story. Did it seem surreal back then, and even now, that's how everything, you know, life just like you said even the knee injury that's just crazy i guess that was a non-running related injury yeah
1: it was a non-running injury but it's uh, you know severely impaired my ability to train like yeah. i couldn't train as much um i could still run fast but the volume you know missing cards that change your knee you just can't do so it still affects me today I you know i i just i just limit i've adapted by limiting the amount of training that i do
0: yeah I was gonna say how many hours like how i guess the average uh, i guess you train people and i don't know when i train for my marathon i haven't done too many but you know you get up to the you know maybe in a you know you do a 30 32 to 34 to 36 k range in terms of your know, longest run and maybe you can get up to 100 kilometers a week um how many like when you do a training cycle for for um marathon training, you said you are limited, so I guess that means you have to run less days a week or just do a short, you can't get in such a long run, like how does that affect your training? Uh, well, nowadays, sir, you know, in the last, say,
1: in the last 10 years, so yeah, sort of, you know, this developed training program, which I also apply to the people that I'm coaching, and this is through a little bit of trial and error, but now it's been, uh, you know, that Furman study at, uh, in South Carolina, it was called uh, run less, run faster, where mm-hmm. they had people run three times per week. And, uh, they had hundreds and hundreds of people qualify for Boston running three times per week. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's more emphasis on the, the speed work, the tempo run and the long run. And that's kind of what I apply to the training program. So usually, You know, when when I'm healthy and everything, my most I will do per week is it gets up to about maybe 60K, 60-some K per week, and that's it. And then you're doing your tempo workout, your speed workout, and then your long run up to 36K Mm -hmm. is the longest run. And then taper. And um, so that's... uh, seems to work pretty good and, you know, I've coached through that or just trained, I guess, people, you know, for runners since about 2006, you know, over 2000 people, at least 10% qualified for Boston using that training program. Oh,
0: wow. I need to chat with you. I always wondered about that because, you know, I, I, re- I read on the internet and, and some people some people say, oh, no, you need to do so many hours on your feet. Other people will say, okay, you know what? You can adapt your training. Like you said, you have an injury and still do really well running three days a week. And I've always wondered about that. and And that's That's kind of good to know because, you know, you get into, you know, as a master's runner or, you know, 40 plus, you know, everyone's body changes. So I guess that leads to my next question. You mentioned you're dealing with running injuries. Um, What kind of running injury are you dealing with and how has that affected your training? Well, I mean, my body's adapted to to my knee you know problem that I have with my knee so you know I've had like uh there's my friend has this company called Jevity, which they do
2: these body scans and I've had my body skin so my spine is twisted a little bit so one leg is moved forward on the other so my, I have one leg that's more dominant than the other so it's stronger okay. and
1: then I have the other leg that uh, it's a little bit weaker so that foot kind of got it I got a bit of an injury in there but I've kind of fixed that now but uh, still, you know, my uh, knees are a little bit vulnerable. So I have to mm-hmm. continue to do the strength exercises and, you know, uh, body strengthening core exercises help a lot. And also yoga flexibility exercises help a lot. Yeah.
2: So I have to make, keep doing those kind of things. So so through all of this, with, uh, even after running Berlin, my foot has finally gotten better.
1: So mm-hmm. now I'm kind of looking forward to, uh, you know, just rebuilding my speed because i lost a lot of my speed. I'm just going to work on that and, until, you know, my body's feeling good and then start moving to longer distances
0: again. Yeah. Hopefully things are looking up for you. And, and I know it's not easy to, to deal with injury and talk about it. So I appreciate you being so open about it and like, yeah, yeah it's not easy. I totally understand. And yeah, mm-hmm. but after 42 years of running, I've probably had most injuries. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, how many injuries have you had in your career? <laughs> I've, I've, probably, I've had a lot of them. I've had most of them. You know, I've had, you know,
1: the thing about running is it has its ups and downs. Like running is, uh, it's, you know, it's not, a, it's good for your health. But it's also a little bit hard on your body so Mm -hmm. and and sometimes when you're running well you tend to maybe overdo it a bit and it's like (laughs) the body's pushing pushing back and that's why you know that's what i like about this three run per week program maybe you can push it and put four days in sometimes yeah is that uh, it prevents you from overdoing it and you know now they're coming out with these longevity studies people who you know have lived long lifespans and uh the exercise is a key component to that and
0: but they're looking the people with the longest lifespans have about maybe 3 to 5 hours of what they call vigorous exercising you know per week and and they've actually discovered that maybe if you do more than 10 hours what they call vigorous exercising. In their, in their study, vigorous exercising is running and yeah. at easy, at easy pace is considered vigorous exercise or the 10 hours actually may reduce your lifespan. Oh, so, really? Oh, good to know. So, you know, it's probably good to sort of stay in that moderate window of training if you want to be a long-term
1: runner. That's the other thing too, right? So, yeah. so probably the reason why I'm still running now is that because of my knee injury, it's forced me not to overtrain.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, oh, that's actually no. really interesting. I never thought about that. And I, I guess, yeah. like how you mentioned, sorry, how many years have you been running now? That's that's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Started in
1: nineteen seventy.
0: So wow. Yeah. So it's been forty over forty years. Over 40 years. Yeah. That's and, um,
1: Yeah, consistency is the key, right? So not getting injured. And I think if you can build upon that, and then once in a while, put in a marathon, you know, I think if you do a lot of marathons, it could be, you have to be careful, it could catch up with you at some point. So, it, you know, the one thing that's kind of helped people, I think recently, a big change, of course, is the footwear has <laughs> changed
2: yeah. quite a bit. I mean, I'm a co-owner
1: of 4Runner, so I'm you know, <laughs> selling shoes, but at the same time, you can see the dramatic change with these new plated shoes mm-hmm. and the impact it's had on running. You know, the times are getting faster. The age group times are getting faster. Some people are able to train more with them now as well. You know because they do uh, absorb some. Of the, they help you run faster, but they seem to absorb more the impact better. Yeah. So there is sort of that aspect that's going on right now as well, and um, that's. I think if you still continue to train moderately, you could still ex- extend the life long. You know the lifespan of your running. So. Running increases your lifespan. That's been proven in research by about 10 years Mm -hmm. on average. But if you can increase the lifespan of your running, you know, then who knows? Like, so I I would like to be running 20 years from now.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, what drives your motivation to run? Because obviously, to be running over 40 years through injury, through life, you must really love it, I guess. And that's your main, is that the, that makes you want to keep doing it for another 20 years yeah I I think I have a passion for running I have a passion to see others run and
1: other people run well and you know health and fitness and wellness is all part of that and there's an enjoyment to going out and running and you know on a nice day like today if you go out for a run just kind of feels good afterwards and it. There's those days where everything just clicks together and you feel fantastic. There's mm-hmm. other days, where, you know, it's almost like running, you know, uh, teaches you a little bit about uh, discipline, dedication, determination. You know, when the weather's bad or you're not feeling great, but you still want to get a run in, you just kind of do an easy run, but you got to push yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't want to push yourself through injuries, but you do want to sometimes you just got to push yourself, but it's, it's a great feeling to get out there and, the, and, the, and go out and do a run. You feel good after and have some, a coffee afterwards or a recovery drink and you feel great.
0: Oh, do you have a favorite distance for running? Or you mentioned an easy run and everything you describe. I, it just totally, I guess my heart just starts beating when I think about running too. So I totally know what you mean about whether it's a nice day and it's sunny and getting out or doing a long run when you're not feeling quite. Um, you know up for it or just having a really good run so you know sometimes you head out there and it's like wow everything just clicks and feels so good or just like you said going through a really hard training cycle for a marathon is there a specific part or a distance that you love or you just love everything about it well I think uh, you know I find uh, my body sort of recovers and repairs and feels good uh, you know doing 10k runs you know Uh, 10k runs you know building some fitness so if I start out and you know I can build back up to like after this marathon I'm going to work my way up to about 30k per week three 10k runs will
1: let you include some tempo and speed work Mm -hmm. and um, so I kind of like that distance and then if you want to increase your fitness for half marathon you've know, you got to do some longer runs the same thing with marathon but I think you have to find a base distance. And now of course you can get feedback from like your watches. Your watches will tell you what your VO2 is and some of the other fitness parameters. Yeah. And you can see how your body's responding to those. And um, and then, you know, once you kind of let's say after a marathon recouped and recover. so for me, like 10K is a good distance for that. Yeah. And then you can start building from there. Or you can work on your speed more. So you kinda of, in but mixing it up, right? And of course, um, some people like to go for really long easy runs, you know, the trails or if you're ultra marathoner, you'd like to go for long, easy runs and that's uh if you can do that then your body can can take that then it's a, for them that's a good distance to do as well so I think it's a little bit individual mm-hmm. but there's sort of that hour hour running that seems to be pretty good you know where you get some fitness benefit and you're recovering and then the other thing i just learned about training is probably good to train a little bit cyclical so so you train you know for
0: three or four weeks push yourself and then have a week or two easier and then train for three or four weeks and have an easier yeah. uh, time as well in your pacing and, and your distance and that'll help keep you injury free as well. Do you feel that like your running and training has changed over the last 40 plus years?
1: Well definitely I think yeah, yeah one thing is of course when I was younger I trained a lot more I trained a lot more volume and um, you know I was a, at the time faster runner but I've been able to maintain for my age, my speed, pretty good. But the, the volume, I don't do as much volume as I do, or I'm just going to, my body's going to break down. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm running more for, you know, health, fitness, wellness, and for fun. And to, you know, run some of the marathons and be a little bit competitive. But uh, that's my main goal. So I'm happy with the amount of training that i am doing. You know, I don't have to overly do it either. Yeah, I think that, like you know. I'd like to say I'd like to be running twenty years from now, thirty years from now. Mm-hmm. You know, fifty nine, and you know, going into a new age group next That's year. That's exciting. <laughs> so I'd like to be ninety. I remember when I was a kid in high school, <laughs> and I was watching this TV program about a, uh, there was a runner. He was one hundred and three years old. He was a waiter in New York. Yeah. It was it was like a little documentary on TV, and he would run two miles a day on the track, and then he'd go to work as a waiter. And he was 103 years
0: old. Wow! And I thought, wow, that would be pretty awesome if I could do that. That would be really cool. Every time I see those news articles, what's that guy? Um, he used to run around the cemeteries, and I'm like, oh wow, like that's amazing. I mean, I think it's cool to see someone young beating you know records and getting PBs and you know, winning races, but when you see someone who's been running that long, that longevity, it's just, to me, it's amazing. You know? Yeah, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Ed Whitlock. That's yes, right. yeah,
0: that's his it's, name. It's, yeah, he's <laughs> yeah, in his 80s and, you know, ran three hour marathons. So, so, pretty, pretty amazing uh, guy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I work with Jerry Cole now with Jevity, Jebedee, and Jevity's objective is to help people, you know, get, get Increase their
1: lifespan, and uh, uh, is running is I think one of the, the key ways of doing that, and of course other lifestyle aspects. But uh, of course, running and other forms of exercise, cycling, and swimming, and uh, anything to do. the main thing is to get out and exercise,
0: mm-hmm. and a certain number of hours
1: per week, and that'll really help your health quite a bit
0: good to know I guess you're still a student at running I guess even after forty years you're still learning and like I said running's evolved with different shoes and and just people are getting faster. I guess races have changed quite a bit in the last forty years so there's always something new happening yeah,
1: that's right I mean you know even when I was younger we were competing we just we didn't have the, like GPS watches Yeah, yeah. <laughs> GPS watches help you pace yourself now before mm-hmm. you just use like a regular watch or and then they came out with some digital watches that uh, did that so even that aspect of training is quite different and you know there's a lot of social support now running through like you know social media platforms like um strava or like your podcast I and mean, people have different ways of finding out information now about running and yeah. to get social support that uh, they ha- had didn't have back then so it's a little bit different sports nutrition like i said it wasn't gels back then and the sports beverages now have improved quite a bit as well I mean, those are helpful for your training or for your recovery you know having some sort of a protein drink after you Recover, you know, um, after your workout to help you recover faster. Is this another thing as well? carbo loading ahead of time as well. Mm-hmm. So those those make a difference, yeah. So I guess in
0: nutrition, I guess uh, nutritional science is a whole other aspect of running that's pretty new, I guess, to society, and we're still learning about that and and how to recover and run stronger during a race. And, and I guess you guys didn't have that, like you mentioned, like when you first started running, that's just incredible. And you ran a 2.12 without all that information. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, we had some, we knew about, um, we knew about like we would carbo-load, what they, we did the traditional carbo-loading so you kind of starve yourself of carbs. Let's say you
0: raced on a Sunday, you wouldn't eat many carbs on the Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you'd eat a whole bunch of carbs so that your body would really soak them. So when you did your two twelve, 12 you mentioned you didn't have any gels back then?
1: Yeah, we didn't have gels. We were just carbo-loads using the method that was uh, best thought of in those days, which was basically, you know, you'd starve yourself with carbs on the Monday, the Tuesday, and Wednesday, and just eat mostly protein and solid, and then on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, a lot of carbs, potatoes, spaghetti, rice, those kind of things,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then your body would soak them up, and that would give you a lot of energy uh, for your race. And then, you know, there wasn't a lot of there was some sports beverages, but it wasn't um, as you know maybe balanced out with electrolytes as much as it is now. So people, you know, you would have some post kind of sports beverage, but it wasn't as sophisticated as it is now. So that has improved quite a bit, and that has helped. That does help you run faster. Just having a proper horse nutrition diet, and now there's carbo loading beverages that you can have that help you load up before the race, and then uh, after workouts, there's now recovery protein
0: recovery drinks that you can get, or so protein bars that help you recover faster. So it's it's improved quite a bit, I would mm-hmm. say. Well, it's good to know. Like, I was going to say, for someone who's experienced everything, and sometimes you wonder, okay, is this all hype? Does it really work? And, and also, as you see, some runners seem to recover a lot faster than others. So you always wonder, is it just their physiology or is it because we have access to all these tools, like you mentioned? And that's always good to know. And I'm still playing around. I've only completed three marathons (laughs) compared to you and Walter. I've talked to so many people on this podcast now. Maybe not a lot, but 12. And, and everyone, I guess everyone agrees a marathon itself is the hardest to plan for and train for. So uh, I don't know. I guess it's I guess the nutritional part and the training. There's so many factors involved. I guess. Yes, that's right. Yeah, a marathon is. I mean, it's a distance
1: you have to respect It's hard to run a marathon without doing your long runs. Mm-hmm. And, uh in order to you know proper training and a taper to allow your body to recover from it, and then there's all the other components here: your flexibility, your strength. You don't want to ignore those things. Yeah. And uh, you know it all has to come together on the day. And, and I think sometimes you know after you maybe run a few marathons, so you decide you know, you're going to push yourself a little bit, take a chance, try to run faster. And you know that is another thing to prepare for as well. You know the pacing in your training. So there's all of those things to look at, and um, so it's a little bit more complex than a 10k or a half marathon or 5k. Hmm. So that. Yeah, there's some, some strategy involved and, and planning, much more planning, and looking at the weather conditions as well. So, and it, well, you know, and it's like anything, you know, sometimes it all comes together perfectly and you have a great race. And sometimes there's always maybe some things that don't quite work out the way you want. And uh, you know, you've know, got to make the best of it. During the race, you might get a blister or something like that that kind of interferes with your with your run. But you got to keep going or you might fall. and. You know, you got to get up and,
0: and keep going. So, yeah. I learned, actually, it's funny because I learned about marathon running from you because when I first met you about six years ago, I have yet to run my first marathon. And I don't know if you recall this. And you were just starting the Seven Summits uh, yeah. Challenge. And it was just a new thing. And I, I used to go to four runners with my friends for the social runs. My friend Elson trained with you guys, and my friend Rita loved going to your pancake runs. And and I thought, okay, I'll show up as a new runner. I'll try try it out. It looked like a lot of fun. And you would always entice people with pancakes. And that's one of my favorite things. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm all in for the pancake runs. And then you mentioned the Seven Summits Challenge, which is 47K around our city. And I thought, okay, that's that's an impossible distance. I've never even run a marathon. How how the heck would I finish that? But I was all for it. For some reason, you were so motivating. I don't know what it was. I guess you made it sound so unintimidating that I signed up with a couple of my friends and we did it that first year. And that kind of just, I don't know, it lit a fire in me. And I thought, you know, if, if I can do 47K, what's stopping me from doing 42, I guess? And so I signed up for oh Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I remember that now, that's right, because you haven't run a marathon yet, mm-hmm. and I
0: think I said to you, well, if you could run
1: the 47K, you can run a marathon, because it's more than the marathon distance, so that'll give you the confidence to run the marathon. Yeah. And it's almost like the an over-distance run, because it was kind of like a, I mean, it's a fun run, it's a challenge, it wasn't a race, it was like a challenge, so people could go in there without the pressure, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's not an easy challenge, and if you could run 47K, Mm-hmm. And you can run and uh, definitely race a marathon and feel confident that you can finish it because you run more than the distance. Yeah, so yeah, I remember that. So it wasn't long after that that you did your marathon.
0: Yes, you remember. I did. I signed up for Honolulu and I signed up because Honolulu is a, they say it's a great first time marathoner uh, you know, race because they don't have a cutoff. And if you're worried about time, it doesn't matter what time you do it. And you just go for the finish and it's in Hawaii. So, you know, if you like going on vacation, that's the perfect place to go. You can convince your friends to go with you. And, and that's what we did. And I, and I remember I was silly. I didn't train for Honolulu <laughs> and I, I didn't realize how painful I, I used to do 30k runs all the time for fun. I'm, I love endurance running and I, I had no idea that. Running a marathon was so painful. My appreciation for that distance didn't exist, I guess, until after I completed my first marathon. It's a good and bad thing. <laughs> so. Yeah, what was, your, what was your
1: longest run leading up to it?
0: Um, I'm trying to remember. You know, I, I went to the gym quite a bit back then. I, I was pretty, you could say, fit physically. I was probably working out at least three times a week for an hour at the gym and I used to run maybe one 30k run a week only and that was probably my longest run 30k and I probably would maybe run 30 to 40k max a week. I would run a sporadic 5-6k you know fun run during the week with my friends and and I didn't do a lot of running like I, I was probably maxing out at thirty to forty K a week, with my longest run being only at thirty K. And guess what happens when you haven't trained past that distance? <laughs> Your body start, you don't know what it feels like, I guess. And and to fight through, they always say the marathon doesn't start until that point and you realize why they say that. And it's not a some people can manage on low mileage, but for me i never I didn't know my body was I didn't know anything about taking gels. So, you know, with the longer runs, sometimes you train with nutrition and gels and and I didn't know that you I hit the wall as you say because I didn't know if I didn't take anything then I would my body just decided not to decide it didn't want to run anymore so I had to walk the last I still did a 422 I think and that's with walking for a good five kilometers so that's still, yeah
1: that's still a really good time for 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 that uh you know walking that last 5k going through that without the, the fueling yeah um, I mean that's uh, is you know that's the thing with our with our run clinic we have
0: people do thirty some thirty three k runs and a thirty six k run just to get them yeah. ready to that little extra distance. I'm sure probably on your second one, you probably added some longer runs in. You are right, you, yes. Uh, <laughs> that taught me a valuable lesson. It wasn't a bad experience, my first marathon, but I remember finishing Honolulu, and I actually hated running, and in my entire life, I never hated running because I was in so much pain. I had blisters on my feet um, from the rain. It was raining and it was painful and I hit the wall and having to I never walked during a race before and there's nothing wrong with walking but I i walked because I didn't have a choice like my body could not even run anymore and and I thought you know if I get into, if I do another marathon I'm training for it so uh, my second one was actually Chicago um, in 2019 before the world shut down <laughs> and I actually did a training plan I did everything and I remember my longest one was actually 36 kilometers this time. For some people, that's a lot, but that was my sweet, oh, I never had such a, you could say beautiful training. Um, uh, Everything went so well during my training. It was during the summer, so it was hot, but it helped so much. I had a really good race and huge PB. I did in 357, which is not, you could say it's fast. And my first one, it's still not my top goal, but I think it made marathon running so much better. So I learned a lot um, going from Honolulu to Chicago. <laughs> you could say so. Everything you said to our listeners and to me right now, it makes so much sense to train properly. I think. Yeah, I think with
1: the, that's the thing with the marathon. Uh, that's the key difference between that and running a half is you know it's that extra distance and few, you, you don't need to do a lot of long runs, but you do need to do some to, yeah. to uh, you know, just to, to your body adapts and become stronger over the distance after a few runs. They've shown after three runs, long runs of 20 miles or longer, which is about 32K. Mm-hmm. The body adapts and your muscle tissue become better at storing fuel. And so that's sort of the you know the the sweet spot in the training, and then you find much better results because much easier. So in a way, you kind of got it with a marathon. You know, when I ran ran Berlin recently, my uh, my time was quite a bit slower than other ones, and I had struggling with injuries, where I didn't really get a chance to do the long runs. And you got to respect the distance because when you're training, because the long runs what you need to do to prepare to. You can sometimes you can finish, but you just won't get the times that you want because you have to do the long runs.
0: Yeah, and it seemed like your experience in Berlin is similar to my experience. So I did my third marathon this year. I actually did a virtual in 2020, and I did really well. I did 3:55, and I ran it like a race. I oh. I didn't stop. I did everything. I trained for it the same, and and I, and then I was feeling really good. And then I, you know, when everything opened up, I signed up for BMO, and I, I had a deferral for the full, And but I was injured, or I'm not. I wouldn't say injured, but I couldn't get in the proper recovery and training that i really my body really needs and and so i feel that you know the experience in berlin for you i can i totally sympathize because doesn't matter how I, I know for you 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 had a lot of experience under your belt and even then it wasn't easy and to feel okay this is not my this is not normally how i run but it's i'll still do it but like you said you can't get as much out of the race as you normally could i guess and the training really affects that and and it it wasn't at my best experience you could say <laughs> so i i know how you felt i guess you feel like you know i could normally run this a lot faster <laughs> so. yeah yeah well it's, that's right
1: with running sometimes it all comes together nicely and you have a great run and other times you know you got to work at it and work through things and and you can still do it but it's what it's not as easy you know it's kind of it's uh it's a mixed bag sometimes yeah. things are great and they go really well and other times just, Gotta uh, take it as experience and you know move forward to the
0: next one. How do you stay so positive? Because I feel whenever I talk to you, you you seem to be so positive about everything, whether it's running or training or doing a race. Like er, er, when you share your experiences and you talk to everyone, I think that's what makes you such a great coach and so well loved because you know it's you're, you have this calming nature to, to you, like when you, you somehow. Like I said, for my first marathon, I, I felt so confident going in because I talked to you and, and I felt, you know what, everyone's capable of doing this. Well, I think, yeah,
1: I mean, that's, I think part of the things of, of sports that I've learned uh, throughout the years is, uh, you know, even when I was a kid back in uh, you know, 1978 and I decided that uh, I wanted to run the Olympic uh, marathon and I wasn't the cast this guy in our run group or you know I I wasn't uh, but somehow I you know just thought well you know if you can do it if you can if you can you can do it if you if you believe in yourself you open up that uh, possibility but if you don't believe in yourself then the possibility is much smaller so you have to believe in yourself and, you, you know, you have to think positive that you can do it. And then I think you, the same thing, you apply that to others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you look at, apply that the realm of possibility is there that it could be done. And you focus on that and what can be done, what you can do to make it work. And that's part of staying positive. It's, um focusing on what you can do and how it could work, as opposed to all the things that could make it happen and not work. You know what I mean? Like all those things that out there that could go wrong. Yeah, there's lots of things. But if you stay focused on the things that could go right, the chances are much better chance they will go right.
0: Oh, I really love that. I mean, I talked to it's yeah. A mindset. I really like that. Um, I'm sure there's not a single runner out there who hasn't struggled with something at some point, whether it's getting back in shape or for injury or just because life is hard sometimes. And so I really I like that positive outlook. Like you said, it's always something good that you can look forward to or focus on. Right. So I love that. Yeah.
1: And you could get 35K in the marathon. You know, you're going through a lot of pain but you're also thinking well I went 35k I don't have that far to go I can do it <laughs>
0: that's, that's so what true I yeah and
1: that's what I think about well I said well if I was on the track how many laps of the track is this well it's not that many laps so that's how I look at it like if I am you know starting to struggle yeah and at the end of a marathon I just think well okay, well, now I've only got, uh, you know, 5K to go. That's only 12 and a half laps of the track. That's
2: nothing.
1: So that's... I just sort of <laughs> I scale it down to something smaller. Yeah. And make it, you know, enough. So always think about the ways that it can be done.
0: Mm, that's I like that. I guess that's where, where the speed work on a track actually helps too, because you felt the pain of doing some, mm. you know, some in, intervals on a track and, it, you know, they never they're never easy so if you can break that down into your race that always helps with that mental aspect of it yeah and i think that's also a good reason why they do some shorter races too
1: because like if you run a 10k and you're and you're in the last 10k of a marathon you oh know, well i've run a 10k before it wasn't that bad
0: yeah i don't know i i struggle i was talking to you about that i struggle the short distance because i, I think like you said you started as a track athlete at the shorter distances and um, I did a time trial in 2020 when everything shut down. I ran at 5k and I wanted to throw up and I'm thinking, I don't enjoy this. <laughs> this is really tough. I don't I don't know how people would do it, but when I do my long runs, I'm like, I can just enjoy life a little bit, I can smile and probably I'm not probably running as hard as I should. but I, I feel with the short runs, five and 10 ks are tough. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think it's well. It's it's also will help your marathon time to push yourself like in those five Ks or in those uh, that VO2 zone or that anaerobic zone. Yeah. You're gonna get you're gonna get used to it. You're gonna get used to it, and then it does make the marathon taste seem a lot easier. Hm. Good to know. Yeah. yeah. yeah a lot easier, and it is easier to run it. you end up running faster, too.
1: So to do those intervals and break it down into intervals, your speed work, which which uh, you do anyways, but, uh, you know, that or longer intervals, like five-minute intervals, uh,
0: that uh, helps you push yourself a little bit through the pain, and that makes the marathon pace really easy. Oh, really? Good to know. I, I know I, I follow Natasha Wodak too, and she went in her training, and she posts some of them on her Instagram, and I see her, and she, you no, know, she makes it look so easy. I know she's pushing so hard, and, and it looks so easy for people who run fast, but I'm sure training isn't easy for anyone, regardless of your level. I'm sure even for you to train for a marathon, it's still, it is. Do you feel it's gotten easier over the years, or do you feel it's just as challenging for you as it is for anyone else?
1: Uh, I think it's, it's just as challenging, and I think you know, as, after running so many years, like you, do have to be. Like when I was younger, I could run, and I never had an injury.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I could,
1: run, you know, float like a butterfly. <laughs> I never got injured. I, I never had an ache or pain. I, you know, as time went on, I started to get some injuries, and now you know I have to be conscious and aware of that so i think the training has changed from that point of view is to stay healthy you know and it's like in our run clinic the number one goal is to make it to the start line yeah and making it to the start line is not being injured and then number two goal of course do enough training so you can make to the finish line Mm -hmm. and number three goal is to get the time that you want so that's where the, the tricky part comes in You've got, to, you've got to do some you know, if you, the more you push yourself in training, the more volume you do in your training, the greater chances you're going to
0: have an injury, but you're also going to have a bad result. So you have to balance that out. I like how so you then- break this down. Yeah. I never thought about it that way. And I guess this is why having a coach really helps. And I guess you, like you mentioned, you, you do this for a lot of runners and many of your runners have made it to Boston and achieved their goals. So I guess it's, it's a, work, a formula that works for many people.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, I sort of use a formula. I mean, it's not, you know, one thing is I have to say is that's, you know, not not all formulas work for everybody or you have to adjust them. You know, some people you have to tweak with it or change the
0: formula. That's part of it too. But I think to start to build your fitness to a certain level, you can follow a a set program and then after that, you may have to adapt things that work for you. So I guess like with a marathon, it could take quite a few years for you to figure out what works for you. That's true, that's true. And and uh, that may change over time as well. Like in the beginning, like if you're just beginning
1: running right your first marathon, you just want to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And get in some distance runs, you don't care about the time as much, you just want to finish it. And then uh, after, as time goes on, you may want to improve your speed and and those kind of things. But um, yes, uh, you have to find what works for you. That's right. And and over time, that can change or can be the same. Some people, you know, continue to run. I think of uh, Jillian Fong. She's in her early 50s and she runs uh, consistently,
0: trains at a very fast pace. And she's run... uh, you know the fastest time that ever aged Canadian five k this year. You know, but she did that in 2021. She ran 18:30, and then wow. she ran Victoria one twenty
1: two and then she ran 37 minutes at the Sun Run.
0: That's crazy she, fast.
1: She yeah, she usually runs about three times a week, and but she always runs really fast.
0: Wow, I, I'm and, just amazed yeah. at people who are who, like they're different. I guess. Um, I guess training or just, or getting older, but somehow it works. And I'm like, I, I don't know who she, Jillian Fong. I, I have to look her up. I never heard of her. So that's really inspirational. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, she's, yeah, she's pretty fast.
1: She was in our uh, our seminar, you know, uh, fast over fifty, and uh, so we got to learn about someone's of her She gets up early in the morning at five o'clock, has a cup of coffee, and um, she starts running regularly right early in the morning.
0: Wow. And, uh, yeah, she runs super fast all the time. I was like, you must have but messed up. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I am not mean to cut you off. But she doesn't
1: run a lot of kilometers per week. Like, she runs 30,
0: 40K a week. But she's definitely so, fast. <laughs> but she doesn't, but she just
1: doesn't, you know, she's efficient with
0: her time hmm that's really interesting I, I i i need to show up for one of those i think i i saw that talk last time i was interested but i couldn't make it and i'm not quite 50 yet but i think that's valuable information to know <laughs> for as we age and everything so you must have met a lot of you must have coached a lot of interesting people and met a lot of interesting people over the years as a coach i guess and and seeing people evolve as yeah. runners so. yeah well another
1: uh, interesting runner that's trying to run and uh, recently is Agnes finished So she, seventy six years old, and she
2: was second in her age group this year at Boston. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we think about that. well I'd love to be in my seventies and be able to run a wow.
0: marathon, and then finish second at Boston. That's crazy. What 70s. was her time?
1: Uh, her time was four
0: hours and forty. Yeah. She, she actually was in first place and was might have been ahead of that time.
1: She was simply running in the four about round four twenty five range, but then she fell.
0: Oh no. at 39k, she tripped twenty right first, first aid tent. Oh no, but at first least it was not from the first aid
1: tent, I guess. Yeah, so they kind of, you know, bandaged her up and then sent her on her way, and then she still
0: finished and got second in her age group. And, um, wow. yeah, so she's often, you know, winning or, you know, talk to her age group and local events here. She did uh, the Grand Fondo as well. So, yeah, she's uh, quite an inspiration to see somebody uh do so well at, at her age and so um, you know going strong and she's out there doing intervals and tempo and long runs okay that's impressive that's more than what the average person is doing out there and who, who is probably a quarter of her age and to be in your 70s and almost 80 i guess that's just that to me is inspirational
1: <laughs> yeah it is it is yeah and uh Yeah, she's got more plans
0: for more races, so we'll see how she does. Wow, is she one of? So, do you coach her? She goes to the Forerunners Clinic there, or? Yeah, yeah, she's at the Forerunners Clinic at Bean Street right now. Yeah. uh, Yeah, she's she's uh, just fit right in, and she's uh, quite quite inspiring to see her every workout. So. Oh, that's really interesting. I wish I lived closer. I used to live in Vancouver, and then I moved to Burnaby, and now I'm out much further away so I I I still want to come back for some training runs maybe we'll have to find a virtual way for me to train (laughs) because I really yeah Yeah, if
1: you're in Vancouver you know that's workout time just uh drop by and and uh join the
0: workout I think I will I'm looking forward to marathon number four and I think I'm still learning as I go and talking to you and so many people I think that's I definitely I feel there's so that's the cool thing about running there's always so much more to learn and there's so much room to grow and and I, I love that's why I like chatting to you and everyone about running so that's really okay that's that, I feel so inspired just from this episode um so I guess we're going to get to a non-running question so other than running is there anything that you really love to do what's your time well most of my time now you know um,
1: we, uh, you know, I had become a business partner with, uh, Peter and Todd.
2: Yeah. As, uh,
1: Four Runners, mm-hmm. and uh, at uh, Four Runners, we have been quite, you know, busy. So most of my time, if I'm not running or coaching, I'm working in the store or store related, you know, business or just accounting and those kind of things. So. So really, that's sort of my passion as well, mm-hmm. and that takes most of my time, actually, and mm-hmm. that's kind of how I spend my days. so that's probably, so it is kind of still running <laughs> so,
0: <yeah. laughs> I guess it is, but it's not, yeah. I, yeah, that's not, there's no no crime in that. I think most runners would understand, it's hard to separate running from your life once it becomes such a big part of it, right? <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly,
0: you start business it becomes even more so. Yeah, and I love I love um Forerunners, if for those who don't know, I guess most people who listen probably would know it. they they have several stores and you're you're at the Main Street location and you co own that. And uh, that's how I met Coach Carey and I it's one of my favorite running stores though and it's a big part of the running community and you can always stop by. I feel like you can always stop by and it's a nice welcoming welcoming place. So I like that you You guys are doing a great job
1: (laughs) yeah we try to support the running community the best we can yeah yeah I love it and
0: I think that's the cool thing about living where we live I'm sure it's the same in many cities we live in such a wonderful place and such a great community and and I feel lucky to have met so many people through the running community Uh, Yeah, so so I guess one last question. I know you're really busy, and I already took up over an hour of your time, so I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, I guess I I want people to know if they want to talk to you or chat with you more about running. How can they connect with you? Should they email you, stop by the store? What's the best way to reach you?
1: Uh, I think the best way is, yeah, send an email. yeah to my email address,
0: dot N-E-L-S-O-N, at fourrunners.ca. Okay, I'll include that in the show notes so people can have that on hand and maybe some people will want to discuss running with you or they may have some questions about what you have chatted about or just about you. So thank you for sharing that. And I definitely want to stop by and chat more about training and running and Berlin and everything again with you soon. So we'll have to (laughs) connect. I I feel we can talk for another two hours at least (laughs) and not stop. So, yeah it
1: was great you have a passion for running and it's great that you set up a podcast you know
0: to help uh, you know inform runners and educate them as well yeah i think it's it's uh, it's still a work in progress i'm still learning this is your episode your guest number 12 and i feel it's i feel so it's been really fun just i mean like you said it's related to running so it's my passion and there's nothing that I love more than talking about running so it's it's been really fun and, and I don't get to always talk to people I mean I, I talk to you about running but usually it's not in this capacity so it's it's been really interesting I've, and you really shared a lot about your life and what you learned so I think I, I thank you for that it's, it's been really um, interesting and I need to digest all this myself actually so <laughs> it's a lot so thank you um for your time and like i said well, thank you <laughs> yeah thank
1: you for inviting me i'm grateful to be uh you know, part of your podcast and uh,
0: thank you so much appreciate it yeah so um i will chat soon and i can't wait to share this episode with everyone thank you so much Thank you for listening to yet another episode of this podcast. If you enjoyed it, please give me a follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Happy running.